And I'm kind of hungry, Colin. I just had one solitary minstrel. You know what? I'm going to have one solitary caramel nibble. What sad lives we lead. <laughs> Maybe I'll have two, just to be a little less sad. Whoa, whoa, two. Don't go crazy, James. Uh, two nibbles. Too late. It's done. Just finishing off some water here. Oh, man. What a, what a Friday night you're having. I mean, minstrel and water, you can't get any better than that. Not even a bag, just one. Oh, in fact, you know what? I'm going to have another one. You're going to have a second, Minstrel. No. This, this episode, sponsored by uh, Indeterminate Chocolate Conglomerate. I mean, if they want to sponsor us, then great, but I think my teeth are in bad shape enough as it is, so... I mean, yeah. I'm Cadbury's. Who makes Minstrels? Uh, I put the bag away so I can't be bothered looking. Somebody tasty. <laughs> Someone tasty makes Minstrels. Yeah. Somebody tasty. It's not you, James, sadly. That I don't make minstrels. No, I don't make minstrels. No. Uh, but you do make theme music, right? Oh, I do. Oh, yeah, no. I totally just forgot. Hold on. It's your turn. It's your turn, man. Um, I actually just edited this one yesterday, the day before it. Very late at night, because uh, when, when it's late at night, you just get a bit impulsive and do things. That's very true. So I, I redid this one a little bit, and I haven't listened back since. So I don't know if, if I broke it or not. The the OG title, the original title was uh, Uranium, and Uranium. Upon upon looking into the folder, I see that there is also a file called Myanium. So I'm assuming that <laughs> I edited it and renamed it to Myanium as the point the two point version. So right here you go, Colin. <laughs> okay. Think of nuclear weapons, things are done with uranium, including some bad things. Uranium. <laughs> okay. I like the uh, the, uh, the reverberation uh, yeah. you put on that. And um, including some bad things. Bad things that you can do with uranium. That's what you should have called it. Well, I just call it, well, the real title is Uranium. I mean, technically, that is another bad thing that you've done with uranium, is you've made a fairly bad song about uranium. I have. I've made a bad thing. Uh, and that's okay. It's okay sometimes. As Donnie told you there, there's lots of things you can do with uranium, James. Including? Including some bad things. Some bad things. I mean, on a scale of one to World War Three, that's maybe like a two. Wait, in terms of how bad it is, it's 10% of the way <laughs> towards when, global war. When I, when I say a scale of one to World War Three, I don't mean like a scale of World War One to World War Three. It's 3, not a ten point two. scale from one through ten. It's more. It's of a... literally, it's the number one to global destruction, uh, and that's a two. Right. That's a two. Two two items on a very measurable scale. That is a that is an axis that makes sense to me. When has Cease Operate ever made sense, James? It never has. Also, are all of our intros now just going to be? Whatever we happen to be talking about or doing <laughs> as we press record, followed by <laughs> I'm sending you an intro song. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think that's basically it. I, th- I mean, the ones I've got in the bank are just very generic kind of theme song generator ones that I've you know spent maybe seven minutes on and clicked save. That's just disappointing, Colin. I mean, you I, need I, to put more effort in. Well, yeah, I know. But we can't revolve episodes around, hey, I wonder what quirky thing James has done with the theme song this week. No, uh, there's, there's, there won't be another quirky one for a long time now. I'm all quirked out. It's a, sh- it's a shame or it's a, it's a bad thing, depending on your, your point of view. Uh, welcome to Seat Operate, episode 105. And um, 
it's been a, a kind of a strange week this week in that not lot, not an awful lot has happened. Uh, so a little bit thin on the ground, James, but we'll we'll do what we can. In exciting news, my chair is particularly noisy today, so have fun editing. Okay. I'm not going to edit out the sound of a chair. Um, if it's Seesaw Parade <laughs> featuring Colin Stone, James McDonald, and chair. There we go. Hello. Great. Yeah, we got. We are. You said you've been trying to get a third third member on the team. Chair. Third person in the room. We've done it. Although last week, I don't know. If, I think I probably edited it out. There was. I think you did. Next door neighbor's child screamed very loudly during one of the, at the very end of one of my answers. It was maybe because he realised I was doing Seesaw Parade and he was like, right, i got to get on the, get on this action. Must, we must get on this show and we're going to become a recurring cast member. Let's make my voice heard, literally. Uh, but then I deleted him, so. Not from existence, Good job. I just deleted him from the, from the track. Good job. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of you. Uh, should, we, should we talk about somebody whose editing clearly is not very good? Or, well, it's not so editing, it's directing. Ooh, oh well, yeah. Work, in general. Let's just preface this by saying, I don't really know how to say this man's second name, because if it's, you know, Trevoro, or Trevoro, I mean, it could be Star Wars looking at the day after Trevoro. Yeah, oh, that was... I retract my yeah, uh, but I do agree. It's, very, it's uh, an enthusiastic yeah. I, 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 Instead of having an enthusiastic yeah, I'd like to go, yeah. I'd say it's probably Trevoro, like a row of Trevors. I'd I'd go for Trevoro, yeah. In the in the same way that you know, a, rather than Trevor, a parade of seesaws, a row of Trevors. There we go. He wants to start a podcast talking about <laughs> nothing that matters. He can have that Trevoro. Right. We've also been discussing his name for the best part of a minute, and actually discuss the story. This is the news that Colin Trevoro, row of Trevors, uh, has left Star Wars Episode Nine now. He's not the first one to have left the Star Wars franchise in the last few years. You had no Chris Miller and Phil Lord leaving Han Solo. And before that, you had Josh Trank, who was meant to be doing Star Wars 8, or perhaps it was Rogue One, but either or, he got booted off anyway. People are leaving quite a lot. This is now a thing of directors being booted off the films by either Lucasfilm or... The I can I think it's Kathleen someone who's kind of the president of Lucasfilm. It would be Kathleen, and I trust Kathleen. Well, well, I trust Kathleen to 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 make good decisions after something started. But apparently, she's not very good at hiring people. Well, she's good at firing. Evidently, people. there's a problem here because this is the third time this has happened, and this is you could argue another indie darling in that. Trevoro, besides Jurassic World, you know, uh, that giant monster smash. No, that, that. <laughs> which made 1.6. Highly acclaimed film. 1.6. Well, it, it did really well, actually. It's like 75% Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but it had no emotion. It, it had no depth. Regardless, it was well received. It made 1.6 billion at the box office. However, he kind of got in that film from Safety Not Guaranteed, which is a wee indie film. It's actually very, very good. However, he's then gone from Jurassic World to a film called Book of Henry, which was horrible. It was terrible. And now he's off Star Wars. I James, mean, thoughts? It's probably a good thing that he's off it when it's still got some time left to, to become good. It's better now than like two weeks before it's done them realising that he hasn't really managed to make a good film of this size. I think he's just he can't do things that are a lot of money. This has got a lot of money. Can't do it. I, I'd say the same for Jurassic World. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't great. It was like passable. It was going to make money because it's got dinosaurs. He'd make a very profitable Star Wars film, but he wouldn't make one that would win 
Awards. So I'm just reading an article on uh, Slash Film. It's Kathleen Kennedy is the name we were looking for, by the way, um, who is the Lucasfilm president. And uh, the article saying, you know, if you're, bearing in mind the turmoil the company's gone through with directors in the last few years, if you're in a battle with Kathleen Kennedy, you're essentially already out the door. Uh, and this person, as someone who is a source. Ah, ah, source. Who says, during the making of Jurassic World, Colin Trevorrow focused a great deal of his creative energies on asserting his opinion. But because he was personally hired by Steven Spielberg to do Jurassic World, you know, bearing in mind Jurassic Park, Spielberg, blah, 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 nobody could tell him, you're fired. Right. Once that film went through the roof and he chose to do Book of Henry, Trevor O was unbearable. He had an egotistical point of view and he was always asserting that. So cool. it sounds a bit like a kind of a, you know, an overly arrogant personality and it seems like that's kind of clashed with Lucasfilm. If you think something, it has to be true. There's no other point of view that matters. And I don't know, it seems like Kennedy herself cl- clashes a lot because she's the, the creative director of this new saga of Star Wars films. So if it is her, her word surely comes first. So if you're going to try and disagree with her... She's, she's the veteran here. You're not gonna you're not gonna win if you try and disagree with it. It seems to me like people like Lord and Miller and Trevor have come in from essentially much lower budgeted films and have been like, Yeah, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this because we got really rich and fast successfully. Successfully fast. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, no, they probably said that because they can't write. And Kathleen Kennedy's been like, No, this is how we film Star Wars because I think there is a certain way of like filming Star Wars or like doing a Star Wars film if it's a wee bit to the left you've got to get the right feel for things yeah 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 if it's it's a wee bit to the left it's just like a sci-fi film yeah if it's a wee bit to the right it's not quite Star Wars so it has to be very very much like the Star Wars style yeah I'd agree with that Star Wars has a has a tangible style and people have people have to fit their direction into that style and if you look back to the, the original trilogy that was three different directors uh, and well it kind of worked until the last one but a guy got fired then as well. So I don't know, maybe it's just the third film thing. Like every time they're getting to 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 the last ones, the guy's going to get fired from the main one and then it's not going to be not good. Okay, well, for, for Star Wars 7, which was the one that, you know, after, what, decade, 15 years of no Star Wars, yeah, J.J. Abrams came in and did it, did a great job. Made a safe film. Then you had Rogue One, which I think was Gareth Edwards. Yeah. Who, after the film finished, like, it wrapped... The whole ending was reshot by a completely different director. So like, yeah, that okay, was from um, so. test audiences. Test audiences said, oh, oh, we don't like this bit. And then they listened to the test audiences. They do that sometimes. It's because Lucasfilm are like, we cannot get Star Wars wrong. It has to be perfect. Star Wars 8, by the way, is done by the guy who directed Looper. His name is Ryan something. I can't remember. Ryan Johnson. Um... He's done episode eight. Apparently, it's all gone swimmingly. Well, yeah, no, he's he's shown great promise as a director, and like in the ideal world yeah. for me, uh, they'll just keep him on to carry on. Because who better to pick up a story from than the person who left it off? But this is the thing. Obviously, as I said, Star Wars style has its own very tangible style, and these directors who come in, people like Lord and Miller, people like Ryan Johnson, even J.J. Abrams, and their films are Star Wars films. They're not J.J. Abrams films. Well, yeah. Which begs the question, Do which begs the question, do Star Wars even need directors? Because essentially you could put in anybody and they'd still generate a Star Wars film. Okay, well, I'd say that the directors are bringing their own style and their own feeling into the films. If you look at the J.J. one, it's got quite a lot of his visual flair that maybe you wouldn't get from other directors. He likes he likes playing with the light. He likes different um, 
levels of focus. I can't remember the right term for it right now. And he, he, you could still see that in the Star Wars film. It had it had a lot of feel that was still JJ. It's more the way that the story goes that is a Star Wars feel, or the dialogue and the characters that is a Star Wars feel. Not not the way it's shot, like not the visual, in in a way. So the director can bring a lot to change the look and the feel of the film, so long as it still does fit within a general Star Wars feel. Right, so where does this leave Star Wars 9 then? I mean, it's not actually started filming yet. The biggest mistake, in my opinion, that uh, Trevorrow uh, made was to bring in the guy who wrote The Cursed Child. You know, the the, the J.R., not the J.R., the J.K. Rowling uh, random book that came out. Really, the drama? Yeah, he he came in, wrote a wrote a drama that everyone got mental for, and it was awful. No one likes it, really. Uh, and then they bring him on as a writer because I don't even know in Hollywood all you have to do is be famous and you get a job. You don't have to be good at what you do. So why don't we have jobs there? So he was brought in. I hope he goes too. I hope he gets fired as well. Uh, and the in the best world, uh, Trevor was gone. This other guy whose name I've forgotten is gone, and they just carry on uh, with Rain. Or Ryan. His name is Ryan. I say Rain. I'm sorry. His, his, his name's Ryan, but it has like a weird I in it. It's spelled funny, and when you read a thing for way too long before you hear it, it you, give your head, you have a head cannon for a pronunciation. Rian. Rian. Rian Johnson. Rian. Yeah, so ideally they just, they just stick it with a good director. If uh, Star Wars 8 comes out and it's good... I, I would really want that story to carry on. Well, yeah, uh, it'll be some time before they announce the director because uh, we've seen from other films, which we'll talk about in a minute, these things take months, sometimes years before they get a director. I'm sure they'll have somebody kind of in the frame to do it, which I reckon may well be either Abrams or Johnson, seeing as they've done 7 and 8 already. Yeah, they've done a thing. They're a safe bet. I mean, the film's going to make money. Yeah. Th- they could make it as bad as they want and it would still make a, a lot of money. It's nice that they are caring about the story. Okay, well, let's talk about another director. In fact, no, let's talk about Paul Bettany. Paul James Bettany. Gold. All right, well, if I'm correct here, he's getting added into the, the Han Solo solo movie during the reshoots somehow. I'm not really sure how. That's very interesting. Yeah, so this is the one. Lord and Miller got fired a while ago. And Ron Howard came in. Ron Howard came in for that. I'm getting all directors messed up in my head now. You've got too many names. And Ron Howard is, is again... Is a safe pair of a hands. A safe pair of hands has made uh, many a film and some good ones. Uh, so he's come in and he's in charge of the rewrites and the reshoots. They're not going to redo the whole thing. Well, yeah, they're not going to redo the whole thing. I was going to say maybe they will. No, they won't. And he's bringing in some new cast members, which to me just is so weird. So this film just keeps getting more and more changes made to it while it should be getting finished. It screams to me... This is going to be a mess. It could be a mess. If it's anything like Ant-Man, which tonally and kind of directorially, editorially was all over the place because of the way that Edgar Wright had kind of got his, his fingerprints all over it, but yeah. didn't quite make an Edgar Wright film. And then Peyton Reed came in and kind of glued all the pieces together. And it was just, it wasn't all there. Well, for Star Wars, this could mean a huge mess. Someone coming in and like sticking their fingers in the pie right at the end, trying to make final changes, adding way too much salt and way too much pepper, rah, 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 rah. But it could also fix it. Maybe they just had a whole bunch of bad things, except we've had thing, um, facts like di- like dialogue and coaching coming in for the lead actor and stuff like that. So it sounds risky. If you list all the problems with that Han Solo film, yeah, you're right. They got an acting coach. They fired the directors. The tone's all over the place. They've brought in a director for reshoots who's now hiring actors for the reshoots. It does not bode well. Including um, Warwick Davis. Yeah, 
exactly hard work he was on his brother. <laughs> I know it could be awful. Mental. It could be a Suicide Squad style. Uh, they've just changed the whole film after it's been shot. But it could also be uh, changing the end of Rogue One style. Oh, it, look, it's still good. Interesting you say Suicide Squad, because uh, talking off Suicide Squad and directors, the sequel to the film that nobody wants uh, is uh, as named as director. And I was going to say it's Gary O'Connor, but no, it is not the drug-addled former <laughs> hips striker. It's Gavin O'Connor. Gavin O'Connor. Now, Gavin O'Connor is a name I do not know. Frankly, I am not sure... Uh, what he's been in, what he's directed before. Any guesses? I couldn't tell you a thing. The The Warrior, maybe? Is that... Okay, yeah, here we go. I've got a list here. Yeah, so he's done Warrior and The Accountant. Sorry, Warrior. Uh, the Accountant was... Yeah, Warrior is the UFC film from a few years ago. Yeah, that was... I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was okay. The Accountant, again, was kind of... It was okay. I think probably more to do with the writing being slightly off as opposed to the directing, but still a decent film. That's Ben Affleck. I think he's uh, like an autistic or he's he's meant to have OCD and he has like three eggs and the eggs are perfectly round and he, <laughs> he blows on his fingers four times a day before he shakes into his hand. It's, it's kind of a weird film. And he's also an assassin, by the way. <laughs> That's your summary of the film. Oh, Ben Affleck, he's got three eggs. That's basically everything you need to know. No, seriously, seriously. If you watch the film, that's all you need to know. Yeah. He has fried eggs and they have to be perfectly round. Uh, But he, he, like, blows in his fingers. And that's basically the film. And he kills people. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the account, but I have seen Warrior. And based off Warrior, I'd say Gavin gets good performances out of his actors. Maybe you disagree having seen another film. Okay, well, the thing about The Accountant is that it hinges on the performances, and Ben Affleck is very, very good. There's a few things, maybe casting issues. I mean, I didn't think the director was anything. I wasn't like, whoa, this is brilliantly directed. For example, like you would with, let's say, something like something like The Revenant or Birdman, when you're clearly like, right, that's an Arita who's doing that. Or a Christopher Nolan film, you're like, okay, that's clearly a Christopher well, Nolan Well, yeah, film. you can tell a Christopher Nolan film with your eyes closed rather than open. <laughs> but I think this guy is potentially just a... Safe he can just make a film, again. maybe. But if he can get good, if he can get good performances out of the actors, that can carry a badly a bad script. Okay, in a way. Right. I know. Are you any more excited about Suicide Squad two this week than you are last week? No, I'm probably not going to ever see it. Okay. Unless it gets good reviews. One last thing of movie news this week: the first picture for Outlaw King came out this week. Now, for all of you who have been like, what is that? Sounds terrible. Outlaw King. Outlaw King. How bland. Yeah. As opposed to In-Law Queen. That would be a much better film. Isn't that just a daily occurrence for married folks? Yeah. In-Law Queen. Or it might be about Kate Middleton's relationship with Liz. Oh, no. They they probably will make that. Netflix are going to have that one in the works It'll next like, year, probably. Watch this cute dramedy unfold as Kate learns bad bedside manner with Liz. Whoa, uh, this sounds awful. No, no, you must take your socks off if you're going to do that. No. What is, what's happening? I'm not sure what kind of picture you're trying to draw in my mind here, but I think you're failing. I think you, well, it's it's completely up to you, James, what you wanted to interpret that, but I would watch In Law Queen. I don't know about you. Well, I was going to say I'd watch the Netflix version because they do quite good, weird dramas. You made it too campy. Okay, well, Outlaw King is a Netflix film. It is. So, yeah. And it's sadly not about kind of learning how to please your man from the Queen of England. It's uh, about Robert the Bruce. <laughs> so... <laughs> Who we have to care about a lot. You and I both being uh, 
Scottish, me more than you. True. Uh, care about Robert the Bruce um, from birth. Some of our first words as Scottish people are William Wallace and then Robert the Bruce. It's the first things we learn. So the film is being largely shot in Scotland. There have been several kind of news articles of this film asking for bearded men to addition as an extra. I don't know if you saw, there was queues like around yeah, a building in the West End. I guess should have kept the beard growing. I didn't know. I'd be the perfect uh, warrior figure. The the, the uh, eponymous character, um, the Outlaw King, is Chris Pine of Star Trek uh, Jack Reacher fame. Yes. Um, is he anything else? Well, that's probably what he's best known with as. With more relevance, he was in what? Hell or High Water, whatever the title is. I was because yeah, Hell or, Hell or High Water, which was probably my second or third favorite film of last year, is brilliant. Was nominated for a few Oscars. I remembered this, Colin. You enjoyed that film a lot. And if you look at the name Chris Pine, oh, fantastic. And then you look at the name of the director for this uh, this Outlaw King, you will find that he was also the director for uh, Hell or High Water. Well, it's 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 funny you say that. It's a Scottish director. His name is David something. David Mick something. Mackenzie. Um, there we go, David McKenzie, who did Hello High Water. I'm sure he was, yeah, he was a director. Uh, he wasn't the writer. It was T.J. Sheridan, I think, who wrote it. Anyway, to, to complete the trifecta is Ben Foster, who is everybody's favourite grumpy American actor. He Yay. is the kind of guy you'll have seen in something somewhere. He is very, very good. I like him a lot. Uh, so the three of them doing the Outlaw King. First photo came out, Chris Pine looking suitably bearded. He's got a beard. He looks a bit Scottish. Your hopes for Chris Pine doing a Scottish accent? Here's the thing. I When I heard this, I just thought, oh no, there's going to be another bad Scottish accent in film. Uh, now, I'm not saying I could do a good, like, Scottish, Scottish accent, but I can tell a bad one, like any of us can. Yeah. But there, the hope is that the director himself is from Scotland. So surely, if anyone's going to have any say over how good <laughs> the accent will be, it's the director, right? There's some hope here. Very, tr- very true. However, the thing is, people who know a good from a bad Scottish accent are largely, well, they're Scottish for a start, <laughs> which makes up quite a small, small percentage uh, of minority world. of Netflix's yeah. Do audience. they care I can't that imagine much. people watching in the States are going to be like, wow, he said that word a bit funny. He didn't quite catch Sporin there. No, he didn't He didn't roll his R hard enough for me. Sp- what is uh, what is your your favorite or least favorite Scottish accent in film? Well, do you know I was going to ask you that. There's it's not maybe not so much Scottish. I mean, obviously the go-to is Mel Gibson, Braveheart. Yeah, yeah, we can, which is kind of okay. No, uh, we can skip over him. He, he he's he's mostly American in the film. He's got some Scottish in there. It's fine. It's passable. Let's see some bad bad British accents. I can think of three off the top of my head. Number one, Anne Hathaway. In a film, I can't remember. It's a romantic. Great. It's a it's a rom com. That's a really hold really on. Her English accent is dreadful. Right. I'm sure I know we're low on audio here, Colin. We haven't really th- said. Oh, we're going to cut to audio. Here's your chance. Good Colin, idea. Okay, cut to audio for all of these. Okay, here's Anne Hathaway's English accent. Actually, we have several times. Oh, have we? You gate crashed my birthday party, called me Julie, and spilt red wine down my top. Ouch. Well, I'm. Sorry about that. No, not at all. You're delightful. Well, was I? No. No, you weren't. <laughs> Look, uh, if you're not Julie, then... Emma. Emma. Emma Morley. Next one is Basher from Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yes. That is Don Cheadle. Yeah, John, Yeah, he did his terrible accent. Uh, and I don't know if it was deliberately awful or, or if it was just him, his attempt. 
No, 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 no. He was, I think he was quite proud of it. <laughs> he clearly did not have a dialogue coach. No, that's the rules for someone who understands the rules, which Bank don't because he already broke them. So he don't get the chance. <laughs> he did not. The third one, which I think is kind of meant to be slightly tongue in cheek, is Nicolas Cage. And he is in London as part of the film National Treasure, maybe National Treasure 2. And he's having an argument in kind of a London museum and a policeman interrupts him. And then he does an English accent. It's one of the worst things I've ever heard. All right, so his character is being is making a bad accent. Good afternoon, sir. Hello. Been drinking, have we? Just a nip. Just pop down to the pub for a pint. Bit of all right. Going to arrest a man for that. Going to detain a blighter for enjoying his whiskey. It's all right, that's enough, sir. Beggars and mash. Bubbles and squeak. What? Smoke the old pie. Sir. Haggers! That's it. Dismount the banister. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Here they are. Man, yeah, no, so his uh, fake character, his character's fake character accent goes all over the nation. It's it's bad, right? What's your, what's your one? Uh, well, so if if we haven't cut out the fact that I said Indiana Jones also does a bad Scottish accent, Indiana Jones is a bad Scottish accent. All before time. Do you intend to leave us standing on the doorstep all day with the wrench? <laughs> look, that gun and caught a sniffle. Are you expected? Don't take that tone with me, my good man. Uh, but then, surprisingly for me, and this is this is going to be a bit weird, maybe one of the few complaints I have about the film "How to Train Your Train Your Dragon 2, How to Train Your Dragon Two, right, is uh, Kate Blanchett's accent in it. It's supposed to be Scottish, I think, really, but it also sometimes sounds really Middle English, and at other times sounds like um, I don't even know what. Oh, I've never seen a Night Fury this close. He might very well be the last of his kind. Oh. And look, he's your age. Wow. Oh, no wonder you get along so well. It is almost a Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, flowing all over the world accent. Dear listener, this week has been fairly short on audio, so there's your fill for the week. I don't okay, think let's you're move on. going to complain about that. Yeah, here we go. Um, <laughs> I'd like to talk about the Defenders very briefly. Okay. I finished the Defenders. You finished it. Now, what I'll say is. It was, I think, every episode had kind of a nice moment. Mm-hmm. And there were a few cool things that the, the four of them got on very well. Yep. I think the show has a multitude of problems. Yep. Uh, not not just the fact that the characters... For example, the end of Luke Cage. Luke Cage is locked away for, like, years and years and years. And then at the start of Defenders, after three minutes, he's out. Well, yeah, I think okay, the implication kind of... is that some time has passed and he's had he's had uh, good lawyers on his case. It's kind of weakened the ending of that one. Uh, Jessica <laughs> Jones has essentially done the entire show and has got she's gone right back to where she started with no real implications for her next show. Iron Fist, what his his whole thing was to destroy the hands and he still hasn't done it. Yeah, he went to China and then he he comes home immediately at the start of this. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver's villain. What was her her plan? Was to, to to find? I mean, it was all about. Oh yeah, we're going to reduce New York. You, you'll look okay, forward to okay. seeing them fall. Blah Colin, blah blah blah. The blah. plan was clear. No, hold on. They did like a big like a uh, an earthquake thing. What even was that? Like what? The, it was a precursor to what? And then when they eventually got through to they're their excavating. Hold on, hold on. And when they eventually got through to where they wanted to go, all they wanted to do was to find an elixir to make them immortal. Nothing about destroying New York City. It was just to try and make them immortal. Yeah, again. New York was just going to be like collateral damage. They, they had to dig up the the skeleton below it that was holding up the city or something stupid like that. But the plan, 
the plan made sense in the nonsensical universe it's in. They they had to destroy New York to live forever. And then they had the superheroes. The way that they were going to get off with this is to blow up a building. Not to mention, this is New York. This is only, you know, what, 16 years on blowing up a building in New York yet? Yeah, cool. it's dark. Uh, reducing it to, to, to nothing. Like, nothing superhero. And it wasn't even one of them who suggested it. It was Colleen who suggested it. And then... After all that, you know, reducing a, a building to, to nothing. Yeah, yeah, with some bad CGI. And killing lots of people, blah, 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 they blah, blah. They didn't kill lots of people. They kill, like, the bad guys. They don't count. Everyone knows that henchmen don't, don't count. They don't, they don't have lives or wives or children. Despite, like, kidnapping a lawyer, Matt Murdoch, and, you know, breaking out of prison, all that, everything that they did... Not a single charge. Yeah, no, they could, that was in the story. Are, you, are, you, are you even listening to the dialogue, Colin? I do not care how good Hogarth and that it's is. It's not even Hogarth this time. They said that because the state of New no. York isn't recognising that it even happened, they can't press charges. It's a stupid bit of reasoning, no, but, that's, but it is in the story. It's the thing, it's, it, it just... and Not to mention the secondary characters, by the way, who spent most of the time inside Harlem Police Station just being exposition yeah no i i, I just didn't the like, show had a lot of problems its use of the characters is one of my main gripes it's such a shame they did, like they tried to use them in cool ways but they didn't give us any of the characters that we like apart from colleen but she was also really annoying it's such a shame that the netflix marvel shows have gone so downhill since the first daredevil which yeah. was genuinely excellent yeah. Especially with uh, Kingpin, Vincent D'Onofrio, as a bad guy. He was brilliant. And then He's not dead, so he'll be back. The villain, compare D'Onofrio, compare his character, his fleshed-out character, the storylines that drove that entire show, compare that to the villains of The Defenders. It's just night and day. I was really hoping this would be the end of the mysterious organisation that is The Hand. But I'm not sure it is. Yes, it keeps being... Referred to as the mysterious organization. Yeah. I think Madame Gao is still alive. Yeah, because you can't have... Like, Gao is maybe the only one of them that I even liked, even though she got, like, her story in uh, The Iron Fist was awful. But you can't have a fleshed-out, relatable, interesting bad guy if it's just, oh, we strike from the shadows, ooh. Also, how many thousands of kind of ninjas of varying degrees of incompetence can you have? It's, yeah. Seriously. Uh, yeah, They've, they employ the worst fighters. I don't know who they, how they train them, but they must, they must train for about five minutes. Uh, I didn't like very much of the, the overall story, but I did like a lot of the, the dialogue was fun. A lot of the action scenes were fairly cool. It didn't have like the, the cheap feeling that, that the previous couple of series did. It didn't it didn't yeah. look under budget yeah. and rushed. So I'm okay with most things. I, I really didn't like the Colleen and her, her ex boss slash BF interactions. None of them were good. Every time they were on screen together I, I couldn't I could barely watch. But most other pairings I enjoyed. All right, time is moving on. Talk about the show you want to talk about, please. Well, yeah, so I've, uh, upon release day, started watching BoJack Horseman. I watched a couple of episodes at lunchtime and then another one at dinner time. And I've, I'm three episodes into the new season and I am happy so far. It is, it is, it is still as good as I want it to be. You should watch Is it. season one as difficult to get into as the reviews would suggest because it seems to me that season two and season three are very very good season four has also been very well reviewed season one however seems to be kind of hit i think it depends on the reviewer i'd if you i don't know i'd say like newspaper reviewers seem to have poor taste in tv 
season one's easy to get into if you just sit down. It's like 20, 20 minutes an episode. You can watch a few in a row and you're happy. Well, you're not happy, but you're hooked. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. I still need to give it a try, but yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll do that. And if you, even if you aren't, even if you aren't hooked after season one, you just carry on anyway. It's like the US office. You just have to sit through season one so you can get to season two. But I'd expect that BoJack season one would hook anyone. Okay. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. All right, let's talk very briefly about more serious things, uh, just because, you know, the world is still spinning just... It's happened. Yeah, North Korea has had its, I think, sixth nuclear test, and this one, the biggest by some considerable margin. Yeah. This one, I think, was maybe... The comparison I was seeing was something like three times the size of Hiroshima, and this is their hydrogen bomb uh, missile-ready, is the way that they've described it. Uh, they, they said that they'd successfully tested a nuclear weapon that could have been that could be loaded onto a long-range missile. Yep. And this was only you know ten days after they fired a missile over Japan. Yes, so they're not stopping. Is this is this still scaremongering? Are they still just doing the oh look at us, we can do all this and you you can't touch us? Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, they, they seem to have the belief that they can't be touched, but China seem to be a little bit apprehensive now. They're giving warnings or saying they've said not to do any more tests. Uh, they're also releasing their own scientific info. So they've done studies and stuff and they're they're now scared that North Korea is going to accidentally blow up its own test mountain. It seems like China's gearing up to have an excuse to, to put an end to the North Korean uh, shenanigans. I don't really know. What, what, by that, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Just like blow them into oblivion? No, uh, just tell them to stop. And if they don't use its huge amount of people that have guns to go and stop them. I don't think anyone's going to blow North Korea up. I don't think North Korea is going to manage to blow anyone up. But I do think countries need to step in before it gets violent to keep it from getting violent. And if China wants to be the one to show North Korea that it doesn't have a chance to fight against everyone then they need to do it. I think China, I was reading an article the, earlier this week saying that China is kind of reluctant or it's to step in because it realizes what an effect of kind of a, a regime fall in North Korea would have in oh, that yeah. there would suddenly be a massive influx of refugees yeah, they'd to get, They'd basically get all the refugees. Well, they'd get their share of the refugees. Um, and maybe they're being a bit selfish thinking, oh, well, we'll be a bit richer if we don't invade yet. But sometime in the future, someone's going to have to step in. And I'm not even saying violently step in. You can have uh, peace forces and whatever. But so long as all the world powers are united in this, there won't be any clashing. As soon as North Korea realized, surely as soon as they realized that their big brother China isn't going to protect them, they'll just lay down arms. Because the only reason they have any confidence now is because they think that like everyone's going to clash over them and fight over them. But if, if they realise that everyone is just going to fight them, I think they'd step down. Do you know, I think they do it because, well, they're obviously making progress. That's one thing to be learned from this, is that they're learning how to build better weapons and attach them to things. Yeah, they're people too. Um, you know, it's not so much like, it's not so much like, hey, we've, we've managed to balance a ping pong ball on a twig. It's now like, hey, we've got a melon on a branch. That's what that's what the anal that's the analogy I'd use. That's a solid analogy. Wow. Uh, thank you, thank you, James. We should thank write you. that one down. Sell it to some papers. <laughs> we could uh, put it on a t-shirt. Sell it. <laughs> yeah. Got, uh, I've got sell a, it to North I've got Korea. A melon on a branch over here. <laughs> I mean, I suppose the next stage is like having a car 
<laughs> on a small tree. Because that fits the analogy too. If you're going to progress from ping pong ball to watermelon, you might as well go from watermelon to car. Well, good luck to North Korea. Uh, all the best. No, and, good luck uh, to everyone. Like, Let's do this peacefully, please. I was going to say we've got Donald Trump because we can't go the uranium episode without mentioning the guy. Fine. Threatening to cut ties with everyone, cut trade ties with everyone who's willing to trade with North Korea still. So that basically means that America is going to cut ties with Russia and China uh, trade. Uh, and I don't know who they're going to get their things from anymore. No one likes Trump this week. Let's not even go into him. He's had a bad week. He's had a terrible week. I pay less and less attention to the things Donald Trump says. What, Theresa May is on the, on the air- airwaves today saying that she held hands with him because he can't walk down stairs or ramps on his own. Yeah, I saw that. Everyone, you know, the, 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 the picture where the two of them were holding hands and everyone's like, oh, what's going on I don't think that's there? something, like, as much as I'm really glad that Theresa May said that because it's, haha, look at Donald, can't climb stairs anymore, uh, but he still pretends to be the strong American leader. I don't think that's something you say about your cooperating leader. Like, Trump is too afraid to go down slopes, so therefore I had to hold his hand. Even if it's for fun, I don't think you say that until one of you is not in power anymore, right? Right, shall we we finish this week's episode on a high note, by the way? High note, let's uh, go back to our favourite high note. Time is running out. You go for it this time, Colin. I did the high note last time we had one. Uh, Okay, well, this is the the news that Chance the Rapper... Everyone's favourite is Chance the Rapper probably our our favorite guy out there i mean kim jong-un close second close second yeah i mean not a distant second like he's a decent there's a decent kind of gap between first and second but he's he's second. like a ping pong ball's distance yeah maybe two maybe two ping pong balls maybe like a table tennis table size away from first chance the rapper anyway starting a new award show for teachers i mean teachers parents principals and students that convey leadership he's like one of the most tireless advocates for education and you know he's raised literally millions of pounds in funding uh, for uh, education and for programs in chicago and now he and his team are they're they're showing support in another way a new annual award show called the twilight awards um to recognize leadership in the chicago area schools how good is that isn't that just the coolest thing because, I mean, you know, we can recognize actors all day, musicians all day. They get award shows plenty. But it, it's nice to see that regular normies that do great things are going to get some appreciation. He's got James Corden hosting. It's all right. And James Corden, he's a popular guy. It's a nice to see a rapper give other people a chance. Yeah, I know he came out of a community and instead of becoming rich and forgetting about where he came from, he's doing everything he can to give back. Isn't that nice? I'm presuming you just blatantly ignored that pun. Uh, I, okay, would you like to go again? It's good to see a rapper giving other people a chance. <laughs> okay. That was met with the apathy it deserved. James, Colin, it's time to Colin, go. I know you're trying to say it's time to end a lot. I've got one last question what? for you. If you were to recognize one field in an awards show, one one career, one lifestyle, Wheat fields. Wheat fields. what would it be? What, what would you give awards to? Oh. Who would you give awards to? You mean that kind of field? I would... Probably give it to medical staff. Ooh, medical Because awards. I think they do the kind of work which goes unnoticed by basically everybody until something massive happens to you and you're like, oh, medical staff, you saved my life. Why really, don't we broaden it out and go for the emergency response awards? Yeah, they're literally saving people's lives every single day. What are we yeah. do- James, what are we doing? What are we Nothing. doing? Nothing. I don't think we've ever saved a life. I've never done that, ever. I've never saved... I've only taken lives. I mean, if, if only I listened more to the free, I would learn how to save a life, but I've just not done that. Oh, okay. 
now I really want the show to end too. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and sleep and lie down now for for a while. Yeah, me too. Okay. In a different place. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, I'll speak to you next week. It's time to go. Yeah, have have a have a blast. Yeah, Goodbye, everyone. Okay. Goodbye, Chance the rapper. I'll see you at those awards. <laughs>